Okay. Well, you know, we've been uh, studying angels. We're going to continue to study on angels and uh, have a question. What, how does an angel light a candle? Anybody know? Well, of course, with a match made in heaven. <laughs> eh, I know. That was, a, that, it took me a while to find that one. I spent a lot of time yesterday trying to find one. In fact, Jolene was even texting Tyler and said, send us some jokes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, is that right? Okay. I haven't been there. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, um, as I said, we've been studying on angels and what are angels, trying to figure out what angels are, what the Bible says about angels. And we know we said uh, the word angel in the Hebrew is uh, malach or malach. And uh, it means messenger, right? That's, that's the meaning of the Hebrew word for an angel. And of course, in Greek, it's angelo or angelos. Uh, for plural, and we've read about uh, some interesting statements that were made in the Old Testament. In fact, a lot of interesting statements last week talking about the angel of the Lord and the service that the angel of the Lord did, and we had a lot of discussion around who was this angel of the Lord, and perhaps was he really God, and that's, and that's just a way to, to, to say God, because we, you know, we talked about the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in the burning bush. And spoke to him as if he was God. So it's kind of interchangeable there. Right? The angel of the Lord went with the Israelites in the wilderness. The angel of the Lord was with them in the cloud. And of course we know that he spoke to them too from the cloud. From the, while well, he was with them in the wilderness. So we had a lot of discussion around that. And there's a lot to be said about that. The Old Testament has a lot to say about angels. And, the, and in, the, in the, how they serve God, how they serve believers right we had in hebrews one where angels are ministering spirits helping those who are saved or who are being saved so they are also part of god's heaven they're part of his creatures that he has created they're also there for our help and we can read a lot about in the scripture about them today though we're going to focus on a couple of other creatures that many call angels but perhaps they're really not angels in the sense of men that would come down and, and take, well, t- take the form of men, you know, and minister to Abram, come and, and speak with Abraham, come and speak with those who were believers. But these are creatures that are in the heaven, that are in heaven, that are part of the heavenly host, that are ministering more to the Lord, ministering to God and praising him and showing his greatness. Who are these spiritual beings, Right. Well, they, they certainly fall into the category of being a ministering spirit. They are ministering to God, and they're ministering to those that are in heaven. But are they angels? Maybe. Maybe you would just call them angels. Maybe they're a higher order of angel, a higher class of angel. And we're going to see in here today how they appear in some visions in the Old Testament. Of course, we did talk about the fact that, you know, in the world today, angels are depicted a certain way, right, in the media. You know, you see a picture of an angel, it usually, usually has wings, right, and a halo, and, and, the, and the white garments, the white robes. But in, in Scripture, we don't see that when the angel is described. They don't have wings, they don't have a halo, 
usually they just appear as men, right? And usually they're in the form of a man, and they come and speak to those who God is dealing with on the earth. But today we're going to see some interesting pictures of these creatures, who they are, and how they're made up. We're first going to talk about the cherubim, right? The cherubim. And we first hear about these cherubim in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, if you want to go over there, we can, we can look at that, Genesis chapter 3. And we can begin in verse 22 in Genesis chapter 3. Of course, this is after Adam and Eve have sinned and, uh, and uh, eaten of the tree. Of, uh, eaten of the tree. And verse 22 says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has come, become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. And a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Alright, so here we have this reference to cherubim, right? What are we talking about here? Are we talking about angels? Or are we talking about special creatures? Well, apparently... These cherubim were put there to guard the garden. Adam and Eve had been cast out, right, because of their sin. Therefore, they didn't, God did not allow them to re-enter the garden unless they eat of the tree of life and live forever. Remember, they had been told, if you eat of the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And that's what happened. Of course, because of that sin, death became into, came into the world. The wages of sin are death, as we know. And therefore, the cherubim were put there to guard. Also, that flaming sword that went every which way to guard the tree of life. So in this function, we see the cherubim are, are guards, perhaps. They're guardians. Kind of like uh, you might have seen uh, when you see statues of winged bulls and winged lions in Babylonia or Assyria. Or what do we see today in Egypt, right? You have the, the uh, pyramids, which are the tombs of the great emperors, but you have the two sphinxes, right, that are guarding the tombs. So you might think of it kind of like that. These were cherubim guarding the Garden of Eden, not allowing uh, Adam and Eve back in, not allowing those to come in to reach to the tree of life. Well, that's an interesting concept, right? But we also see some other references to cherubim. Turn over to Psalms chapter uh, 18, Psalm 18, and let's read a couple other things about what these cherubim are, who they are, what their purpose is. <clears throat> Psalm 18. <coughs> and let's look in verse, uh, verse 9. It says, He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. So here we are, he's riding upon a cherub, not a chariot, not a uh, ship or a, a boat or whatever you want to call it, but a cherub, all right? So we have a reference to this creature. This creature apparently attends to God. He's an attendant to God. He's a bearer of the throne of God. He's what God is perhaps riding on, you might think. He's like a like a creature that's for that purpose. And it even says, even refers to him as being synonymous with being described as the wings of the wind. And of course, when we think of the wind, we think of things flying, right? We think of things moving quickly. And that's kind of what the point is here. And then in Psalm 80, you're not going to read it, but in Psalm 80 or Psalm 91, 99, uh, God is described as being dwelling among the cherubim. 
between the cherubim, okay? And so the idea is that these cherubim are what's attending to God, lifting the throne, perhaps being the motor of the throne of God. It's an interesting concept, right? The cherub are there with him, perhaps at all times. Well, we do see, we, do, we did read that, the wings of the wind. So that kind of makes a reference to something that perhaps they can fly, right? And we, 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 perhaps this is where uh, people today would get the idea that angels have wings. But our, that's what I want to talk about, too, is whether these are actually angels, when we think of angels, or whether these are just special creatures. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 1, and we're going to read a vision that Ezekiel had, <coughs> okay, and talk about who these creatures are, what they look like, and what their purpose is. Now, this is a vision of Ezekiel. doesn't necessarily mean that it's literal, okay? What he sees in his vision can be very figurative, but, and perhaps it's just shown to Ezekiel so that he can understand what he sees, right? We don't know for sure what these creatures look like in heaven, but I think by our study today, we have a, we're going to have a pretty good idea. We're going to be able to see what these creatures are like, what they do, and of course what their purpose is. Let's just start reading Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 1. Pay attention. I, I wish I had uh, a way to show this, uh, the picture. I don't. I didn't get one, but picture this in your mind's eye, what they look like as we read through this and try to get an idea of what we're talking about here, right? Verse 1, now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chibar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God on the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Now notice these next two verses. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with a raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. All right? So we have... A picture here of four living creatures coming in a whirlwind to appear to Ezekiel, right? And they have four faces. We're going to read that in a second. But these guys are coming like a in a chariot of, of fire, right? A living, they're living creatures, and they're later in Ezekiel 10 referred to as cherubim. We don't see it in chapter 1, but you do in chapter 10. Let's read on. Verse 6. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of cows' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. And the way I would envision that is it didn't turn bodily, but they turned together, right? They went forward. If they turned, they, they went like, you know, they just turned together, the four together they were touching so they were next to each other verse 10 as for the likeness of their faces each had the face of a man each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side and each had the four had the face of an eagle all right so there there it's an interesting interesting picture that Ezekiel's seeing here right had the face of a man an ox a lion and an eagle and they're moving forward their wings are touching they're side by side, the way I would see it, right? And they're moving around in a whirlwind. 
and we'll talk about we'll get more into that here in a second they're moving quickly like lightning what a concept to see let's get in, let's continue on verse 11 thus were their faces and their wings stretched upwards two wings of each one touched one another and two covered their bodies and each one went straight forward they went wherever the spirit wanted to go and they did not turn when they went all right so here we have the wings of the creature right we have the wings that you might see that someone references angels today right but these are not necessarily the same type of angels that we see ministering to abraham ministering to moses right these are ministering to the lord and ezekiel's seeing this in his vision two wings are stretched upward meeting above and meet and uh, sustaining the firmament interesting right they are raised up touching each other sustaining the firmament and then the bottom also of the divine throne in other words above these cherubim are the throne of the lord the throne of god right and you have the wings sustaining that you have the wing two wings that are stretched downward covering their bodies right and uh that's an interesting picture to see right we have these great creatures with four faces wings above wings below hands like a man at their sides moving straight forward when they move just get that picture in your mind not turning themselves but turning as one bearing the throne of god let's continue on there verse uh, 14 and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning now as i looked at the living creatures behold a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces the appearance of the wheels and the workings was like the color of barrel and all four had the same likeness the appearance of their workings was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel and when they moved they went toward any one of four directions they did not turn aside when they went as for their rims they were so high that they were awesome and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them when the living creatures went the wheels went beside them and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth the wheels were lifted up wherever the spirit wanted to go they went because there the spirit went and the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels when those went these went when those stood these stood and those were lifted up from the earth the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels all right so here we have this idea of a wheel uh, by their sides right with full of eyes a wheel within a wheel and whenever these creatures would move the wheel would go with them and that's where the spirit is described being in the creatures is in that wheel so the idea is that these are creatures that are bearing the throne of god moving as the spirit moves them well, who's the spirit right they are spirit of god right their spirit is being moved by the lord and that's the idea that ezekiel's trying to place for us here this is the spirit of god moving like lightning right straight forward never turning to one side or the other with the will with the eyes watching all around very uh figurative picture right something that's kind of hard to put into our mind's eye but yet we can understand it because we know what these creatures are we see them on earth today right so we kind of can get a picture of that in our minds uh sounds like something from a horror movie right but it is an interesting concept is this really what we're going to see in heaven well i don't know for sure this is what ezekiel's seeing in his vision and it makes a picture that is majestic right that is extravagant that is um hard to conceive of right but it's fabulous 
So this is a picture that we're seeing of these creatures. These creatures that are bearing the throne of God. And as he moves, they carry him around in heaven. Go down to the earth, raise up of the earth, move like the wind, like lightning, right? Think about that for a second, what that's like. Imagine what that's like, right? Cherubim run back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning, and they do not turn as they change the direction, but always go straight forward. And they have these wheels, like the color of a barrel, or sea green, or, or perhaps a gold-colored, uh, and it says a wheel within a wheel that did not turn aside as they went in the four directions, with rims high and awesome, full of eyes, like they're watching. They can see all around with those wheels, right? The wheels have the eyes that they can see all the directions they need to go, right? They followed the cherubim wherever they went, and the spirit of the cherubim provided the direction of the wheels. Interesting, right? Interesting picture that we're seeing here. Well, let's read on there in Ezekiel's vision, beginning in verse 22. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight, one toward another. Each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. So this is a description of how they sounded when they moved, right? You know, we can see an awesome picture with our eyes, but sometimes the awesomeness that we feel is from the sound, right? I don't know who in here has been in battle, right? I can't imagine what that's like. I know the, the scene is, is awful, but the sound of a great army moving forward, right? Can you just imagine what that's like? You've seen it in movies, I'm sure. You've seen that, but... You can't imagine what this is like because this is like a full army moving when these creatures move. What an awesome picture, right? What a fabulous picture. Also bearing that firmament that's like what? It's like crystal, clear, uh, beautiful, bright. You can imagine what that scene is showing there to Ezekiel. You hear that voice from above the firmament, uh, a throne like a sapphire stone on which sat with a likewise of, oh, actually I haven't got to that verse, let's read on. 26, and above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber and the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Okay. Awesome stuff, right? We have this picture of these creatures carrying the throne with the wings upward and wings down. As they raise up, I'm sure the wings begin to fly, I guess. And then when they stand or when they come down, the wings come to its side, it says. Carrying the man, the creature, the God that is above the throne. And that last verse says that's showing the glory of the Lord. You know, when we think about heaven, we think about the beauty of it, right? We think about what it's going to be like. But what is going to be so great about being in heaven? What is going to be the most wonderful thing that gives us all the joy? You know, in our lives today, when we're in a dark place, it's tough to be joyous, right, sometimes. 
it's tough to be um, positive when you're in a dark place, right? You need some light to shine on things sometimes. Sometimes that comes in the form of somebody helping you out, right? Somebody coming and, and shedding some light on something that you makes you, oh, yes, of course. And with God, I think it's kind of the same way. Not only are we going to be able to see his bright light, his glory, but we're going to know that glory. We're going to understand it. And this is a picture that's giving, that Ezekiel is seeing in his vision of that glory of the Lord, borne up by these creatures, moving like lightning, shining with great brightness. So the host of heaven and Ezekiel here in his vision can see the glory of the Lord. I know I'm getting a little pie in the skyish there, but that's the picture I want you to see from this. This is an awesome view. These creatures are part of that heavenly picture that we can't see in the flesh, right? It's something we have to see in our mind's eye, but it's awesome. It's an awesome thing to think about. Well, so above the cherubim, we have the firmament, and it has the glory of God, and the brightness is therein, like a rainbow all around, which Ezekiel also describes over in Revelation. Let's turn over to Revelation real quick, chapter 4, and read what's said about the heavenly host there. <clears throat> chapter 4. This is, of course, John's seeing the vision uh, that's revealed to him. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, just like we saw in Ezekiel's vision, in appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, similar to Ezekiel's vision. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. Similar, right? Similar scene. The first living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we have a similar scene that John is seeing in Revelation, right? To what Ezekiel's here. Doesn't say these are cherubim, doesn't say for sure who these creatures are, but they seem kind of similar to what we see in Ezekiel's vision, where they are referred to as a cherubim. Well, how do we know who these are? What, what are the purpose of these beings? Well, we, can we do have some history, right? We do have some history with the Israelites that refer back to what the cherubim's purpose was. Let's turn over to Exodus chapter 25. Let's see a few things there <coughs> about how the cherubim were depicted with the Israelites. Turn over to Exodus chapter 25. And we're going to read about uh, the description of how things, how God told um, uh, Moses and the Israelites to set up uh, the Ark of the Covenant, set up the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, and so forth. Verse 17 of chapter 25, let's read. He says, You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, 
two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. Okay? And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Oh, okay. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I'll meet you, with me, and there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, who are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you, and commandment to the children of Israel. Here we have the cherubim being created on the mercy seat, sitting on the ark, in the tabernacle, in the holy of holies. So what is this symbolizing? What is this referring to? What was the holy of holies to the Israelites? That's where God lived with his people, right? Not physically, not in the flesh, of course. Symbolically speaking, this was his throne with his people in the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat. And he had the cherubim attached to that mercy seat. Their wings stretched out over the mercy seat. God residing between the cherubim, as we talked about in Psalms. Interesting picture, isn't it? There's that physical picture that the Israelites are seeing, and it's kind of based on Ezekiel's vision, isn't it? Very close. Interesting t picture. Let's go on. Exodus chapter 26 there. <coughs> Verse 1. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim. You shall weave them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the width of each curtain 4 cubits, and every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. Mm. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain on the salvage of one set, and likewise you shall do on the outer edge of the other curtain of the second set. Okay, so here we have a description of the curtains that are part of the tabernacle that have the cherubim woven into it. Pictures of the cherubim. Over to verse 31. You shall make a veil, a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven in it. It shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. This is the veil that covered the Holy of Holies. That only the high priest could go into, right? One time a year. This is a picture of a cherubim on that veil. So apparently, these creatures are pretty important to God through his um, physical appearance. I shouldn't say physical, spiritual appearance, perhaps. They are part of heaven. They are part of his residence, where he's at, what he is all about. Interesting picture, right? In Solomon's temple, we can read other things about that too, similar to the tabernacle. In the inner sanctuary of the most holy place, they were placed on the Ark of the Covenant. You can read that in 1 Kings 8. I'm not going to go over there and read that because it's similar to what we see in the tabernacle. And, of course, in Solomon's temple, this is when God's presence was manifested. It's on the veil. It's on the walls of the temple, and it's on the door. So the Israelites would have seen these cherub, pictures of cherubim everywhere on the temple, inside of the temple, on the, on the uh, curtains, on the veil. The priests would have gone in and seen that thinking of the temple as heaven on earth, you might think. 
physical representation of what heaven was like. These creatures are part of that. Also in Ezekiel 41, Ezekiel sees a vision of the temple. And he sees the temple walls were carved with alternating palm trees and cherubim, each with two faces, a lion on one side and a man on the other. Doors of the sanctuary were also covered with these cherubim. Then you have Herod's temple, right? After, uh, when Herod came to be king, he had the temple rebuilt, right? But there were no cherubim in Herod's temple. Interesting. Walls were painted with figures of, of angels, but Josephus, the, the writer, the Christian writer in the first century, says that nobody knew what the cherubim were supposed to look like. Therefore, when Herod's temple was built, they were not added to the temple. So interesting. And also, you know, the ark was not there either, right? As you know, in Herod's temple, because it, it was gone. So, interesting concept. These cherubim were there in the beginning. God is saying, but now, God is living with whom? Is he living in the temple? No. He's living within our hearts, right? So, not that we're cherubim or anything, but the idea that the cherubim are needed to be as part of the temple is not as important, right? Not as um, symbolically important to show who God was. Well, interesting concept. These, cher these cherubim apparently were creatures that attended to God by carrying his throne. They are the creatures that are there ministering to God, specifically ministering to his every need, carrying him around in heaven, carrying him as the Spirit moved him. Interesting concept, right? Interesting to see. Is this exactly what we're going to see in heaven? Well, I don't know. But it is a fabulous picture to see, right? I wish we could. It, it makes me want to go back and see the tabernacle when it was, to see what that was really like, right? It must have been glorious to see those, uh, the veil, to see the, see the curtains, right? Can you imagine what that looked like with the gold in there woven and, the, and, the, and all the different uh, threads and so forth? It must have been awesome for the Israelites to see that. A physical picture of what heaven is going to be like. All right. Well, that's the cherubim. We also have another creature that's mentioned. Turn over to Isaiah. And let's look at a vision Isaiah had. Chapter uh, 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And let's read about another type of creature that we see in heaven. Isaiah chapter 6. And let's begin in verse 1. <clears throat> it says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. Wait, what were these creatures called? Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the, host, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now pay attention to the next two verses. He said he had unclean lips. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Hmm. All right. 
Here we have a vision for Isaiah. He sees the Lord on his throne in the temple, his robe filling the temple. He's high and lifted up. And there are seraphim, creatures above him with wings flying around, right? Six wings. Interesting. Two above the face, two covering his feet, and with two they flew. One crying to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then he does something interesting. He takes a coal from the altar and he touches Isaiah's lips with the coal saying, your sins have been purged. Interesting. Who can purge sin? It's only God. So therefore these seraphim are ministering to God. They're providing some work for God. In the vision, they're telling Isaiah, your sins are purged. Maybe they're bringing that message from God through the Spirit that he is, uh, because of his faith, because of his belief, a lot of his love for God, he is forgiven. This, this word means fiery ones. Um, it's, a, it's an allusion to their burning love for God, perhaps, right? That's what the word seraphim refers to. Um, they, they're, they're represented as standing above the king. So here we have the cherubim below the throne, holding up the throne, burying the Lord on his throne. And here we have these seraphim who are flying around in the firmament, right? Above God, singing praises to him, talking about his glory. Again, get that picture in your mind, what that looks like. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would scene would be? Are these angels? Hmm. Well, it sounds like these creatures are more about ministering to the Lord than they would be about ministering to men. Now, we do have the vision, Isaiah, where he says, comes to him, touches him with the coal from the altar, and says, your sins are purged. So you might say, well, he's ministering to Isaiah. Well, that's a vision. It's not necessarily something real that we read about when the angels came to Moses or when the angels came to Abraham. But it's an interesting concept. Apparently, these, these creatures are part of heaven above and around God, praising his uh, greatness, praising his glory. We don't see this, these, this word anywhere else applied to God's angels, right? Just in this vision. We do see the word used in one other place, though. Numbers 21. Remember the fiery serpents? Right? The Israelites are crying out because they were in the wilderness, taken out of Egypt, and because of that, God sent the fiery serpents to bite them. And then they cried out. God told Moses to make a serpent fiery serpent and they looked upon it the brazen serpent they would be healed of the bites this is the same word that we see when we refer to these creatures so perhaps it's kind of referring to something that is uh, fiery something that is zealous something that is um well a burning love right the seraphim are creatures who are zealous for the lord praising the lord talking singing about his glory praising him about his glory again there's that picture of heaven that we have through these visions of god's glory god's great brightness god's greatness right that in heaven we will be able to witness firsthand i know that's something we don't think about all the time right we don't think about what heaven's going to be like we're too busy right we've got our lives in, in, in this world to deal with but I want, if nothing else, you to get that picture of what these creatures are about. I don't know what heaven's going to look like exactly. I think this is a pretty good picture. In fact, 
I'm not so sure this isn't a true picture of what heaven's going to be like. Can I fathom that in my mind? No. I've never seen creatures like this on earth. But I know one thing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be the most awesome thing you've ever seen in your life. You can go out to the Grand Canyon, right, and be all inspired of the beauty of things on earth. <laughs> it don't even compare to what it's going to be like to see these creatures in heaven. By the way, I saw something on TV last night about the sediment layers of the Grand Canyon and how, truthfully, it points back to a great flood. So if you're ever interested, look that up. It's pretty cool. Kind of blows evolution away. But anyways, no, that's, that, I digress. But the point being is, nothing on this earth compares to what these visions are showing us of heaven. These creatures are unbelievable. They're, they're vast. They're glorious. They're not like anything you could ever see on this earth. And I think that's the picture that Ezekiel and Isaiah are seeing and they're trying to portray. John and Revelation, right? The figurative language, the creatures that we see there. It's how awesome heaven is. How glorious, how bright it's going to be. All because of our Lord and his greatness. Well, these creatures, it's, it's interesting to talk about them, right? Are these angels, are they not? I would say that these are a different kind of angel, a different kind of creature than what we read about in the Old Testament as far as the angel of the Lord, as far as those angels that we see, Gabriel and Michael in the New Testament too, attending to those who are believing, attending to God's people. But we don't know that for sure. Maybe they are the same. They're just a different representation of it. But I think these are great creatures. And if nothing else, I hope you get an idea of the greatness of heaven and the greatness of our Lord. If nothing else, um, they certainly are ministering spirits, which is our title of our uh, study right now. Ministering to the Lord, ministering to the heavenly host, praising God in all of his greatness, bearing that throne, moving God around as the Spirit wills in heaven. What an interesting picture, right? In either case, they're certainly uh, vivid, and they're certainly a, a majestic picture, and they also show the greatness of God. Isn't it interesting, though, when we read some scriptures about how the angels wanted to look into salvation and how God had done that? This great God who's made these great creatures, and yet he has mercy, he has love, and he's given that to us through his Son. You know, I got lots of reasons for being a Christian. I hope you do too. But one of the greatest reasons is I can't wait to see these things. <laughs> Just like taking a trip out to the wilderness and seeing, or to Africa and seeing elephants or something, right? I want to see these creatures. I want to see what that's like in firsthand. I hope you do too. I hope that gives you joy, gives you um, a reason to think about what it's going to be like in heaven, a hope. And perhaps when you're down in the dumps in this life, when you're going through something, this might be something that you can picture your mind and think about. Well, nothing else. I'm going to see the cherubim and the seraphim. And it's going to be glorious. All right. Time is up. Thanks for being here.